Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And we're talking about a Carolina Panthers victory today over what many of you consider a rival against the Seattle Seahawks and with that victory 30 to 24 the Panthers move to a 5 and 8 overall record they get their first win on the road and Steve Wilkes the quote unquote interim head coach of this program right now moves to 4 and 4 on the season we're definitely going to be talking about whether we should be removing that interim tag from one Steve Wilkes we as in Walker Mail Wes Bryant and Josh Fitty Marlowe. You can also find us on Twitter at Wes and Walker. I always have a hard time spelling it though. Wes, can you please help me about the Twitter handle? Good morning. Good afternoon, Charlotte. It's W E S A N D W A L K E R. We got a fire reel up there for you to enjoy talking about if Steve Wilkes is the guy for the job. He's making it harder and harder for David Tepper to go anywhere else other than Steve Wilkes for getting these guys ready to play every single game and actually going 500. And once Steve Wilkes is able to really implement his culture, implement his game plan, his philosophy, they've won three of the last four games. Mm -hmm. This one, I think that has us talking way more so now about him being a permanent coach is because he did it in one of the hardest places to play in the NFL against a good football team, against a good quarterback in Geno Smith, who probably an outside shot, but there are some people talking about him in the MVP conversation. I know they mentioned that on the broadcast yesterday. Not only is he comeback player of the year, but could he possibly win MVP? Probably not. You get the picture still playing like one of the better QBs in all of football. This offensive line, Wes, dominant run game. Doesn't matter if Christian McCaffrey's not here. Doesn't matter if the next man up in Deontay Foreman is a little banged up with a shot of not playing in this one suits up anyway plays well but then they just rely on Chuba Hubbard who was good in this game Chuba Hubbard awesome job for him this offensive line whether you're talking about a veteran whether you're talking about a young one in Iki Aquanu Wes huge win got to be the biggest one of the season for them right yeah no doubt as far as when you talk about the environment with which they had to go in there and win a football game uh the urgency of the game the quality of opponent uh, Seattle's not the best team in the NFC, but we still looked at this as a quality football team. If we were to have picked the game prior, we would have said that. I know I didn't think that they were going to go up there uh, and get a win. Yeah. So, And for them to have the fast start that they had as well, they came out and set a physical tone early that Seattle wasn't ready for. Geno Smith kind of looked like the Geno Smith of old that we know and love. Turned it over a couple times. Uh, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, from there, they just, it was an uphill battle for Seattle to climb and the Panthers poured it on late. And that offensive line really dominated late in that football game. Well, and Wes, going into this game, I really was excited for this matchup really as much as any Carolina had played one, because we know all that was on the line. There was a shot at going into it that Tampa Bay was going to lose to San Francisco. We all thought that might happen. 
don't know how many people thought they were going to get destroyed the way they did because that thing got to a 35 nothing lead for San Francisco. Your boys whooped up on Tampa Bay. And you know what? I think Carolina appreciates it. We helped each other out this weekend, Wes. Well, Panthers that fans, you did. 49ers fans. We were on the, don't, don't, don't change it. We're on the same you team. You did. I tweeted. I sent yeah. tweets out. I sent tweets out. You guys thought that they had a chance, huh? What? Tampa. No, I'm saying I'm saying they had a chance to lose this game, right? Like, okay, yeah, okay, in. okay, all right. There we go. There we go. No, I thought no, Tampa- I'm not. I'm not home. San Francisco is going to win every game, guy. No, I, I did not expect for them to beat Tampa like that. So well, I, it, I'll say that. Right, that's the thing. No, yeah. I I actually still and I was glad. Keep pounding Panther Nation. <laughs> there you go. From yesterday, a real Panthers homer here. Wes Bryant is. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Wes Scott. I was Rage, loving it. And you guys can talk about all your Carolina Panthers love. But that's the thing. I thought yeah. Tampa Bay was going to lose mm-hmm. essentially right? Brock Purdy, a little of the uncertainty probably scared you a little bit, but still, man, awesome yesterday. We'll get to that later on in the show. But the fact of the matter is Carolina Seattle was going to be a fun game going in. And I mentioned it on Friday, the games within the game, the individual Mm -hmm. matchups, JC Horn against DK Metcalf kind of went back and forth, but overall JC Horn, I thought got the better of one DK Metcalf. He allowed a few more receptions than usual, but also Defended a pass, got the interception, almost had the other interception, right? That was on the sideline. He had three total that he could have ended up having. I think overall, you're walking away very, very happy with the way that J.C. Horn played. C.J. Henderson getting involved a little bit, something we didn't expect. Tyler Lockett still got his score. Yeah, man, like this, this feels different now. And I think... I am echoing the sentiment of a lot of other Panthers fans that this feels a little bit different. Sure, a lot of other Panthers fans were on the bandwagon about making the playoffs before I was. Look, after Tampa Bay completely escaped with a victory over New Orleans, I thought, great. Like, I still think they're going to lose to San Francisco. Ultimately, I can't help but believe in the Tom Brady-led team. I can't help it. This weekend, Wes, look, maybe you can roll your eyes about one week making all the difference for me. But Carolina's been playing pretty well consistently. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay has not longer and longer and longer. I I thought they were going to lose. I thought they were going to lose by touchdown, something like that. Not 35 nothing to start the game. Mm-hmm. There there are two teams in the NFC South right now that you really believe can win it. Nobody's really talking about the Falcons like that despite them being up there too. And Carolina's playing the best. Yeah. There's no doubt about it within this division. Does it mean they're outright going to win the title? Not at all, but damn, there sure as hell is a shot. And who would have thought that after we were having some real tank talk at the beginning? With that being said, we pulled up to the scene. I'm excited to talk about this. Well, and you're a Carolina fan this weekend, so I'm going to exploit all of that, Wes. Don't get it. (laughs) Like, if you're excited about Carolina, we need to experience all of that. We're getting off the bus right now, and we're happy as hell to do it. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Panthers win at Seattle. They are now four and four under Steve Wilkes being the head coach. And here Steve Wilkes is in the locker room speaking to his team after the game. Couldn't be more proud of this group of men right here in this locker room. Hell of a job today. Okay. We talked about this all week. Playoff environment. Coming to Seattle, 12th man, and having a playoff mentality. Okay? Everything we do starts where? Up front. front. Controlling the line of scrimmage. And we control it on the offensive side of the ball for 224 yards. We said it didn't matter whether the running backs played or not. 
We had to stop their run. Their run gained 46 yards. Good football team, all right, turn into great football teams when they know how to finish. And that's what we did today. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we talk about, all right, protect the ball. All right, protect the ball. No turnovers today. And we had two takeaways on the defense. The one thing that we have established right now, we protect the bank. We don't lose at home. We protect the bank. All right, you understand that? So come back in on Wednesday, locked in and focused, okay? Wes, that seems like a bought-in football team, and it makes me excited, especially being a Carolina Panther fan. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you hear the team after he said what he said, especially giving them that mantra of protecting the bank. He's really got this team uh, going, and they have his mentality, his philosophy, and what they want to do, and they came out and imposed their will on Seattle, and this sounds like a team, you know, ready to try to make some noise going forward. City, I know in our pre-show meeting, we were talking about the Carolina Panthers, their chances at winning the NFC South, the division title, and I know you're kind of on that bandwagon with me, how it looks really, really good for Carolina going forward. Yeah, when you look at the way they've played the last... Oh, no. Did you catch it? Oh, oh no. yeah. Yep. I finally around. got y'all's crap. I'm sorry. You know, y- 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 but yeah, no, they're... They're playing better than Tampa is. And, and, like, what happened to Tampa Bay yesterday is embarrassing. Like, you shouldn't be getting your ass kicked by a third-string quarterback, yet that happened. You've got two at home against two very beatable opponents. And what this is going to do for the Panthers confidence-wise, being able to go on the road and win when they got to go to Tampa, they got to go to New Orleans. You should believe if you're a Panther fan that the NFC South is yours to lose. We had a 239 number right in saying that Wilkes audio just gave him some chills. He's really excited <laughs> about Carolina and that speech from Steve Wilkes. Here's some more sound from the head coach discussing how he doesn't know what the future holds, but he's got 13 weeks for this team, and it's going to be his way doing so. Well, as I stated at the beginning, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but for 13 weeks I said I was going to do it my way, you know, with players, coaches, uh, and the mentality and, and the culture that, you know, that I wanted to create. So our mindset doesn't change. It's all about winning a day. So we're going to take it one at a time, and next up is Pittsburgh. We'll, we'll figure out what happens at the end, but right now, you know, we're just worrying about the Steelers. It's exactly the right attitude to have. And honestly, I didn't question if Steve Wilkes was going to come in with the right attitude or not. We knew Wilkes was going to be as professional as humanly possible. And this team has bought in 100%. Don't believe me, believe Shaq Thompson. I think we'll play some sound from him later on in the show. But he talked about how much they've all bought into the culture and they did so right away. And maybe it takes a little tweaking to kind of work out as far as the win-losses go. But they've won three of their last four. They're five. And it's not necessarily anything that you point to as, oh, there's this groundbreaking offensive philosophy that they're going to. But in that locker room speech, you heard him say it all starts and then waits for the answer. The whole team says up front, they know their identity. They're executing it extremely well. A dominant offensive line in Carolina with some actually like mediocre to poor quarterback play this season everything's flipped on its head it's upside down land here in charlotte and they're starting to win a little bit more and it's why people are excited about steve wilkes but this team is really executing what the identity is supposed to be yeah no doubt i mean when they came in the game fell in their favor early on and so that allowed them to build up that lead that was going to allow the Steve Wilkes philosophy to continue that's what they want they want to play from ahead when they're able to do that you know especially you mix in a couple of turnovers because we said this Seattle defense was not very good one of the worst in the league when you talk about points allowed and total yards 
their thing was forcing turnovers. And the Panthers protected the football well. And that's what you needed to do against the Seattle defense. They did that. They had a good, solid, albeit pretty vanilla game plan. But they were able to execute it, get out in front, and that allowed them to be able to run the football late to close the game. And that's what Steve Wilkes wants first and foremost, as he said, they're built up front or they want to play up front and they play with the up front mentality in that game. Well, in that vanilla game plan, they're going to roll with it again and again and again. This <laughs> yeah. is how they win. This yeah. is Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. This is how we win. And yeah. it's been how they've winning, how they've been Let's winning. Let's hope it don't end like that one did. Yeah, hopefully not. You're right about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. Maybe I don't bring up Uncut Gems again. It's the <laughs> Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go ahead and put it down. Are the Panthers winning the division? We'll talk about that next. Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Wesson Walker show talking about a Carolina Panther victory over the Seattle Seahawks. And you can text in the garage door guru text line right at 704-570-9610. Again, 704-570-9610. Let's go to quite a few. I wanted to set the tone from our listeners today, just trying to give a reaction from the Carolina Panthers fan base and what they've been writing in. Spence wrote in, guys, given Wilkes' success, should they have kept Christian McCaffrey? We're going to get to that a little bit later on, especially with Steve Wilkes going to the podium and saying, this team tried to tank, the organization tried to tank, and we did not. And so now here they are with the with an outside shot, maybe not even so outside, to actually win the NFC uh, South title. But I do want to get to that question a little bit later on. M-Dog wrote in, looking ahead, the Lions game might be a little more interesting since the Lions are tough at home and beat a really good football team. Even if people didn't believe in Minnesota, the Lions were favored in that game, which was crazy, but not so that crazy. Lions offense high. is no joke. No, they're playing well, yeah. and they got a lot of weapons. They have an awesome offensive line. Jared Goff is playing yeah, well in that Jared system. Goff. So, yeah, the Detroit Lions, they're playing well. So he's right. Um, it's not going to be some cakewalk to, to walk no, past. No Sean McVay, just Jared Goff. Yeah, no. I'm, anyway, and, we can keep going. Yeah. And, no, and, 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 <laughs> you know, I had to get you. And as soon as Dan Campbell has them as the number one offense, we can give them they some true up there. credit. They're top three, I think. Top, I know they're top three, I think. 704 number wrote in. That's oh, they're good. top ten. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. 704 number wrote in. That's a good win. They had some issues. It was a perfect match for us. They could stop the run, and two of their running backs were out, but still an impressive Panther win. Here's the thing I'll say about that. There were flaws from Carolina in this game, and they still won. And, Wes, this was a team that pretty much we would consider there to be a really small margin for error, right? Like pretty much non-existent for a long time. But DJ Moore – Held without a catch yesterday. I don't know if I would have said this team was going to win if he had mm-hmm. zero impact in the passing game, right? They also went over on a drive where they tried to go for it on a couple of fourth downs. One was successful. Yeah. Handing the ball off to Deontay Foreman. They pick up the fourth and one. And then Ben McAdoo calls four straight passing calls. Man, look. Awful sequence from Ben McAdoo. Because Steve Wilkes made that decision to go for it on fourth and one deep in Seattle territory because he knows the identity of this team. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is the best unit here. Deontay Foreman has been playing out of his mind. Chuba Hubbard was playing well to that point also. 
run the damn ball. Oh, like this I'm, is this is me, right? This is me who likes passing offense. If you had a Pat Mahomes, if you had a top ten quarterback in the league, okay, I can come in here and not chastise you for not running it at all. But when you got Sam Darnold, as well as he played yesterday, perfect game script for him. I don't want Sam Darnold throwing the ball four straight times in a have-to-have-it scenario, which is what they did. Point all being, though, that they actually had flaws in this game, and they still won. And they still won with some nice control at the end. Wes, I thought that was a big deal. No, and I agree with you as far as the the passing the ball four times. I get gripes like that with Shanahan all the time. Coaches, sometimes they just get too cute, but no. Uh, And then another thing I thought, too, I guess you could call it a flaw or not, but I'm like, how do teams not pick up on the fact that every time LaVisca Chanel's in the (laughs) game, it's going to be a quick pass to him in the flat? Well, so... I was going to tweet that out, too. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost like the easy button. You know, the meme on Twitter where um I'm trying to figure out what to do. Bang, LaVisca in the flat. Like, that's what Ben McAdoo does. But you can also see what Ben McAdoo does when he doesn't throw LaVisca, the, the ball, and you're running it at that point, right? It's an option. So LaVisca Chenault's all his receptions are now at the line of scrimmage left or right. In motion quite a bit, trying to get him some speed. I'll say this. They're successful running it. They are. That's what that's what blows my mind about it. I'm like, man, if that had been LOB, that thing would have been three catches for negative nine yards. They would have been all over that. Here, here's what I like about it, though. I, I'm actually kind of conflicted with the consistent LaVisca Chenault play calling where it's the same damn play. You can run a lot counter to that. So the defense keys in on LaVisca in motion. Now they're worried about him in the flat. And then you run the football. You gain positive yards. They were doing that quite a bit. Because it's not Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live anymore saying, when Christian McCaffrey lines up two yards behind the quarterback, this is what they're going to do. Even if Orlovsky was kind of wrong for his breakdown on NFL Live, like the first month of the season, something like that. Mm-hmm. Ben McAdoo's running some counter to the LaVisca having him in motion going out to the flat. The other thing is... LaVisca has a pretty simple skill set. He's not a great route runner. He's not a burner, but he's damn physical and he's good with the football in his hands. So let's just keep it simple for a weapon that you have on this team. Let's get him the football at the line of scrimmage. Let him go run over a couple of dudes. It's not like a running back who's taken this beating the whole game. So it reminds me, and I've talked about this before, of Bill Belichick doing what he did with Cordero Patterson the first time you really start to see him play a lot of running back snacks or, or snaps. All right, so Cordero, not the greatest route runner, but great as a kick returner, really good with the football in his hands. Hey, guys, what if we just run Cordero and then have him catch the ball out of the backfield every now and then? This is LaVisca. The dude is extremely physical. As physical a receiver you're going to find in the NFL, seeks it. And I love the chest pounding after he gets up and stares those dudes down that he just ran over. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Like, that completely embodies the keep pounding. That embodies the identity of what they want to roll with. So I like the simplicity that this coaching staff is kind of preaching for dudes that do something well. Hey, man, we're not going to get it crazy. We're not going to have you run these crazy routes. I'm just going to give you the football and see what you can do. Oh, you can get a first down. Oh, you can pick up the football after there's a bad throw on the ground and then still gain positive yards. All right. We'll just go ahead and roll with that. Yeah. And that's the simplicity, how, man. Yeah. And that's how he, as you said, playing to the skill sets of his players. That was just a question that I had just watching them play. I just was like, man, that's got to be some, something that the defense start to key on. But uh, that's the thing, though, with his offensive philosophy is very simplistic as far as what he wants to do. And there's there's an art to that as far as especially mm-hmm. 
to me, I think it really speaks to how dominant you're being up front when you're able to execute a game plan like this because it's something to be said and very demoralizing. And I think Coach Wilkes has said that before, how much he enjoys running the ball on people because it's demoralizing because when you know what's coming and there's nothing you can do about it, that is one of the most demoralizing things in football, and it speaks to the strength and quality of your offensive line and how they are playing because everybody knows that they want to get it to Deontay Foreman. We've talked about how a lot of backs today don't get as many carries. He has to be one of the league leaders in carries since he's become the starting running back. He has another 21 yesterday, so teams know they're going to run it, and they don't get funky with Foreman when they run it. No, they don't. Most time it's up the middle between the tackles. They don't really go outside the tackles with him. And you know that's coming. You got to be ready for it. And teams have not been able to stop. And it's because the offensive line is Mm -hmm. the strong part of this offense. It's because Deontay Foreman has been a beast. It's because, and this is something maybe we don't focus on enough with Chuba because I've criticized him, but it's really just been in the passing game for the most part. He can't catch the football. He's not great in the passing game. That's something I thought he was going to bring. And I feel like the previous coaching staff, Matt Rule, Matt Rule's wife, who wanted to draft Chuba Hubbard, I feel like everybody thought he might bring that pass-catching ability, and he just hasn't. But he can run. I mean, there there are times where you look at him, and he was one of the better, I believe, graded players in this game, but PFF be damned. We can see it with our eyes. I mean, the guy broke four tackles, and the offensive line was helping him do so. So you allow him to get to the second level and then continue to fight for first downs. Chuba Hubbard, big shout to him. Not even an up and down season for him, kind of a down season for Chuba just outright and really showed up in this run package for Carolina against Seattle. Want to get to some more text. 704 number um, wrote in about the some of like the, the problems that Carolina had in this game. I wanted to talk about Brian's text, though. He said yesterday I spent the game the entire game nervously waiting for Seattle to pull a rabbit out of the hat to beat the Panthers. But it never came. The relief I felt was otherworldly. Wilkes deserves this job. It's funny because we're watching Carolina unsuccessful on their fourth down conversion attempt at the goal line because Sam Darnold, the worst mistake he made, they didn't pay for it, but the worst mistake he made was eventually doing the Dr. Pepper chess pass to win a scholarship for (laughs) $100,000. And he threw that into the end zone. Luckily, it wasn't intercepted. But the fact that we all thought it was going to go horribly wrong, because we've seen this before, Carolina's up, looks like they're going to win, and then they lose in spectacular fashion didn't happen defense finished the offense did just enough even after that they were able to score after that unsuccessful fourth down conversion attempt and the defense held seattle in check as soon as they took over the football on that unsuccessful attempt i think that matters as a fan base you're so used to losing you're so used to losing those types of games here recently and this time you won it against a team with a winning record at one of the hardest places to play that that's why i don't I'm not, I don't think I'm getting carried away and overstating this win. It doesn't mean I think they're outright going to win the NFC South, but the victory they got yesterday was was huge for this team. And I think the fact that we thought it might go haywire at the end and it didn't, that's a big deal. And when you go into a, a place like that, as you said, it's a bunker mentality. You hear about it all the time, how teams band together going into play like this. And nothing could have given them more confidence than that early start because it let them know, like, okay, they already came in and you could see it in certain plays early on in that game. Like you talked about the Chenault catch and run, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there were some other plays early on where the Panthers really established, like, look, we're here. We're going to be very physical with you. And they played – 
as if they had nothing to lose. Because in theory, not to say that they absolutely did not, but they know a Panthers uh, playoff appearance, it's there, but it's in the distance. But this team came out and played with nothing to lose, plenty of fire and passion, and they were ready to go. And I felt like that carried them throughout whatever adversity they dealt with. Early on, they were able to take the crowd out of the game, which was huge. Uh, They got back in it just a little bit, but I think it did show the resolve uh, of this team. And I think a lot of times you do hear people say that teams take on the demeanor of their coach and there's no more even kill guy than you can find than Coach Wilkes. And this team, when it started to, when the adversity started to hit in this game, Seattle's making a run. They hit the pass to DK before half. They're coming out. They have some momentum. But the Panthers just weathered that storm because you knew one was coming. Mm-hmm. You knew that Seattle was going to make some type of run. Being at home with a crowd like that is too hard to not keep a team like that from getting something going. And we mentioned it, right? They finished. And Steve Wilkes said that same thing after the game. And being able to do it on the road, Steve Wilkes talked about that being a big deal. Well, it, it was something that we talked about, and we felt like we had to do it on the road. We wanted to be aggressive, uh, as we did, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Great stance by them, but we never wavered. Another it, you know, keep persevering, find a way to win the football game. And we talked about it at halftime, you know. Good football teams, which I feel we are, all right, and I told them that. I said, but great ones learn how to finish, and let's go be great. And somebody else wrote in, you know, Chuba Hubbard did have a first down catch and it, he, he about fell out of his chair when he had that right. Another credit to Chuba, three targets, three receptions, no drop passes for Chuba yesterday, 25 yards and they had that long 17 yard reception in a passing game that was uh, not non-existent, but it, it certainly wasn't the thing that won Carolina the game. Mm-hmm. But here's Steve Wilkes talking about them being able to finish. And then here's some more praise for his team discussing how proud he is of this roster. In regards to the game, you know, we talked about doing something that we haven't done all year, which is coming on the road in a playoff environment, you know, winning a football game. Couldn't be more proud of the men in that locker room than I am in the way that we finished that game today. Everything we do starts up front uh, on both sides of the ball, and we ran the ball tonight for 224 yards, and we finished the game when we needed to for us trying to pound the ball in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it, I mean, Steve Wilkes, it, it's it's so much fun to listen to Steve Wilkes compared to what you had previously. Does it not feel different listening to Steve Wilkes? That was evident as soon as he took over the podium, to be honest with you. And that's because we had heard Matt Rule. I don't know how confident he comes across. That, that's the thing about Matt Rule. People discuss his ego all the time. And there are a lot of texts, by the way. I want to get to some of them. I was going to save some for the show. So stick around because I did want to relay some of the funnier texts of the day about Matt Rule. People are acting like, hey, this is Matt Rule, by the way, listening in. Just wanted to make sure I get my credit today. Right? There are people, <laughs> right. There are He's people definitely going to want credit yeah, for this. Yeah, 100%. Um, but it was the ego that wasn't earned by any means. It was the deflecting. Then it was the lying after he got let go about how he always felt like he took accountability and never blamed anybody when we all put our palms in the air like, what the hell are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But there was this undeserved ego he spoke with that also didn't come across confident, in my opinion. You know, just the way he speaks is not like Steve Wilkes, who was very direct, very strong, very purposeful. Matt Rule, part of the reason Dennis Cox is so good at impersonating Matt Rule, one, he sounds just like him, but the inflection of just not coming across as clear. People read through that, man. And and I'll and I'll read and I'll say something about Steve Clifford, 
who comes in after the New York Knicks loss on Friday for the Charlotte Hornets, Steve Clifford said something I think that is true across all sports. He said you can't lie to an NBA locker room. Steve Wilkes can't lie to that Panthers locker room. And while I don't know if Matt Rule completely lost all of the players on this roster, I don't know if that's necessarily 100% true, but Shaq Thompson tells you just how much they bought into what Steve Wilkes is preaching. Even if he doesn't say, yeah, we weren't about Matt Rule. Like, Shaq Thompson wasn't berating what Rule's time was here. But there's certainly something different how he talks about Wilkes compared to Matt. I think we can all hear that. I think the players hear it when Steve speaks. I think the fans hear it when Steve speaks. The media. I mean, the media is celebrating him like crazy, too, just being in the press conferences with Steve Wilkes. I think Ellis Williams said something like, hey, I only hear from him about, you know, handful of times a week at the podium, and I'm learning a lot. This guy is becoming like almost fo- uh, folklore for the way that he's turning around this team and how everybody's kind of riding with him. Well, I've said before that, you know, his his demeanor, he's a no-nonsense guy. He's a guy's guy, and you can tell that. And he's a coach's coach. He's very no-nonsense. And you hear from the players, they talk about how, you know, he's going to tell you what it is. There's no frills about him. And so that's the thing I think that a lot of players want. And I think that's one of the things that is great about him. Um, that he's a guy that you're going to know where you stand with him, and he's just a no-nonsense guy. And that's one of the things that I like about him that, you know, and I think that's that just bodes very well. All right, so we still have some questions to answer. There are a lot of texts, a lot of good points, honestly, that the textures are writing in, the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. A lot coming in. A lot of people are excited. And you know what? You deserve this. You should be excited. It's been a long time since you've had some form of success and winning three of the last four. That certainly counts as some form of success. I do want to get to a lot more of those text messages. I want to get to whether we think outright are the Panthers going to win the division. We'll talk about whether this was the biggest win even though we kind of already said yes i want to dig into why and we'll also discuss some of the reasons if you were against it why you might not want steve wilkes to get the permanent job because there is an argument i guess to be made um i'm not making it but maybe we could explore that a little bit longer i can help yeah there you go i want him to get the job but i can help you with why you might not. there's the devil's advocate out there yeah. for sure we'll explore that as well we'll do that after the first fl- uh, fitty flash of the day how are you doing fitty Guys, I'm, I'm doing a lot better than Texas head coach Chris Beard, who was arrested this morning roughly around 418, 418 Central Time. Um, he was booked on a third-degree charge of assault of a family or household member while impeding breath, circulation, or strangulation. Mm. Just a massive, uh, I mean, first of all, just a terrible situation for that family. And it's going to be a massive distraction for a Texas team that was ranked number two in the country. They were going to they they just dropped in the AP poll as a result to Illinois earlier in the week. But, you know, you have that situation going on. And then you have Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, who's still in the hospital with the program saying he needs a miracle to, to, to come out of that hospital alive. So two coaches in the college ranks with two very different yet scary situations going on. Yeah, and I haven't seen all of the reporting on either one of these stories, to be honest with you, but especially Mike Leach. I know as soon as that news kind of broke, there was some possible misinformation going on with Mike Leach, but there's certainly something going on, and you hope that everything is okay with the head coach, um, Mike Leach. Chris Beard, 
I mean, I don't know what else to say about this besides it's disgusting to see some of the allegations that he is going through right now, especially with the injuries that this person, the family member, suffered in this report. We can try to get some updates, maybe talk about that a little bit later on in the show. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, continuing to talk about the Carolina Panthers coming up next. up the 12 o'clock hour on Wesson Walker about to take a visit to the campus corner in just a moment you can text in a lot of people are the garage door guru text line the number is 704-570-9610 have some people talking really all about the Carolina Panthers after their win against the Seattle Seahawks we will now visit the campus corner and talk a little bit more about some college athletics we'll get to college basketball in the area in just a moment Wes I know you did want to share some thoughts on the Mike Leach situation before we started to dive in and visit campus corner thoroughly well he's just a big personality. I have been reading about it since last night when I saw the um, the headline and people saying prayers up for him. At first, I was a little worried because I like Mike Leach. He's one of the more colorful personalities. Mm. I love guys who say what's on their mind, don't give you the fluff. They give you the real, and he's one of them, man. So hopefully he can pull through this thing. I don't want to speculate too much. I read a couple of things on what they said it would be, but I won't speculate on right. it much here. But, yeah, man, hopefully he can get through this. And then, like you said, the Texas thing, disgusting. That's why my eyes got big while you were reading the thing because I saw it flash up on the screen. So coaches can't expect the players to behave right, and they're not. No, 100%. By the way, yeah, not too many better quotes out there than Mike Leach. He's going to give you something hilarious. And it's why, and it's almost like he embraces some of that stuff, too, which is always a good thing to hear Mike Leach kind of joke about. So Myron Goodman, my boy, he kept writing in. He found me on Twitter was tweeting at me whether I feel good about North Carolina getting back on track. Certainly will text in. I know the promo had been kind of going around about my panic in the Tar Heels not playing well. They did against Georgia Tech. They got a must-needed victory because it would have been hard to talk anybody off of the ledge as far as a heel fan goes if they lose to Georgia Tech, but they didn't. It's probably the best they looked all season long. They had that, what was it, an 11-0 run, Fitty, to end the first half, and I think that's what allowed them to cushion, and then you started to feel really good. I think it was like a two-point game once they went on that run, and that's what allowed you to feel comfortable. Fitty, how good do you feel now after this Yellow Jackets victory the Tar Heels experience? You know, the funny thing is, is that this time last year, there were questions about Carolina. They played Georgia Tech in an ACC game, and they blew them out, and we came away feeling a lot more better about them. You fast forward a year later, questions about Carolina. They played Georgia Tech not as dominant as it was a year ago, but they put their best 40 minutes of basketball on the court the other day. It went so far. Schubert Davis said that was the first time this year he felt like he was watching Carolina basketball. Mm-hmm. Monster games from R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, Armando. who tied the record for uh, most hmm. double-doubles in UNC program history. And they now play the Citadel tomorrow night in a game that Carolina should win, setting up two important games against the Big Ten opponents in the Ohio State and Michigan. And today you feel a lot more confident that Carolina can and probably will win those ball games. 75 to 59 was the final score. You mentioned hearing from Hubert Davis afterwards. Here he is discussing the way they played against the Yellow Jackets. We have to be inside out, plain and simple, period. The end. We can't be outside in. 
and you know we have Armando, we have Pete, and we got to use them. We got to throw the ball down low on the block and let them use their gifts and talents to be able not only to score but you know to to open up shots for our guards out on the perimeter and also get us into the penalty because we're a really good free throw shooting team. But I, I also thought because Armando was posting up so hard and they didn't get the ball, he occupied a defender. And so then Caleb and RJ were able to get to the basket and nobody was there. They were able to get there because of how hard Armando worked down low on the block. And so that goes again, you know, like I said, like we had time to practice. And so it's nice to have that time this week to practice and to be able to implement it in a game and for it to look pretty good. Armando is such a big part of what they do. Those 21 points, of course, impressive. <clears throat> but the seven offensive rebounds, accounting for the 13 total rebounds, that was huge for this North Carolina Tar Heel team. How good do you feel about them beating Georgia Tech for the rest of the way, um, considering the Heels? Well, I think Georgia Tech, you know, they're an okay team, but Carolina needed to get off of the schneid, okay? But they did it going back to the basics they pounded the paint on this team uh to the tune you know they got to the free throw line 24 times to georgia tech's eight you know they 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 killed them on the rebounds 12 to 1 on the offensive boards 36 22 they outscored them points in the paint they needed it because second half they shot 14 percent from three so they needed all of those offensive rebounds they got the ball inside and then rj davis even hit the boards hard for 10 boards. So yeah. you like what you see if you're a Carolina team because what these numbers speak to is a possible uh, mentality change for this team, a team that's starting to become more and more blue-collar and not be as Hollywood as maybe as they looked mm. at the beginning of this season. I I'm hoping they can keep it going because <clears throat> it was almost something where I don't know how much credit they get I mean they, they get credit for the way that they played well right and that's that's perfect it's just if it would have been a loss then it certainly would have been a really bad one now both these teams six and four North Carolina getting back in the win column that is huge just to give you some other ACC updates Duke beat Maryland Eastern Shore as they should they won 82 to 55 over the weekend in a battle of the bottom dwellers in the ACC Florida State they beat Louisville Louisville 0 and 9 0 and 2 in ACC play Abysmal. they lost it's bad 75 to 53. Syracuse, kind of interesting team to me. They're 6-4. and four. They won against Georgetown 83-64. to 64. It's not a great victory. Nobody is afraid of the Hoyas these days. Keep Patrick, you know. yeah, well, it's, it's certainly not been going well for them. <laughs> and then if you look at Syracuse, this was a really talented class coming in. Had a chance to talk with Jim Beheim at ACC Media Day, so we'll see what they do going forward. Wake Forest, they lost 72-70 to man, 70 by the Tigers, LSU. Man. How do you feel about your Deacons right now? Well, like I said, I've been a little nervous about a team led by a small guard. Appleby is balling. He had 26 points and 6 assists, but just, you know, he's so small and there's not much else. Cam Hill just is a pretty good player, but as far as just some guys, it's not like last year when we had uh, the guys that we had when you talk about uh, Alondis Williams mm -hmm. and you're talking about LaRavia. You know, we had that dynamic duo and other really good role players. This team looks like a one-man band as far as Appleby is concerned. So, you know, a little disappointed that they won. I'm still going to hold the jury out on them just a little bit, but I'm just a little worried about a team led by a tiny little guard. Uh, another team before we go to college football and discuss the Heisman winner from this past weekend, NC State. 
They got off to a really nice start. They only lost to Kansas, third ranked at the time, by six points. That was their first loss of the season, but they've lost two of their last three. The only win that they have, that was against Coppin State, if I'm not mistaken. They did lose to Pittsburgh 68-60. to yeah. This most recent loss on the road to Miami, 80-73. to Wes, Spitty, we'll go to you first, Wes, but it's not like Kevin Keats has the luxury of losing too many games before this thing gets off the ground. Yeah, and Kevin Keats is my man. His number is in my phone. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I've been doing a lot of their games this year on the ACCDN on all platforms. And, I mean, they haven't played anybody. Then they play Kansas and give you a little bit of a tease. You think they might have a little something. But then losing the pit really is the biggest indictment against this team. Losing the pit by eight points. Pitt arguably the worst team in the ACC. They don't get the job done against Miami. Uh, you know, they got Furman coming up. They should win that. But this team is just hopefully they, you know, get on track and get some wins because, as I said, I feel like it's now and never for Kevin Keats this season. They're relying heavily on offense. Three guys. It's Jaquavion Smith, who was awesome and yeah. rising Join on draft And it was yeah. weird that he came back to college basketball. I did not expect that to happen. Joyner gave you 26 in this game against the Canes. And the Winthrop transfer, DJ Burns Jr. going for 16 points, eight rebounds. Yeah. Fiddy, what do you see when you see this NC State basketball team? And what are your thoughts on Kevin Keats? Um, knowing I might be opening up some can of worms about the heel hatred for NC State. I wasn't surprised to see Terquavion Smith return to college. I was surprised to see him return and not into the portal because at some point, don't you get tired of playing for a losing coach and a losing program? That's who they are. And look, I, I thought when they hired him at the time, he was the right guy to get NC State back on track. Mm -hmm. We knew the retirements of Roy Williams and Coach K were, were getting closer and closer. I thought he was the right guy to get NC State back being competitive. Well, guess what? I was wrong once again about NC State. And look, Kevin Keats has gone through a lot off the court, but he's not getting it right on the court. And if I was NC State, I'd be looking to making a change either during the season or after the season because these ACC losses to Pittsburgh, who sucks, and blowing the lead they blew at Miami, it's just inexcusable when you're in year five or six of your program. Yeah, Kevin Keats, not exactly, again, like I said, having the luxury of losing too many games and still keeping that job. Let's do talk about the Heisman voting that happened this weekend. It was Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, that would end up winning this award. I thought this was the right decision. Wes, what are your thoughts on the Heisman presentation, eventually going to Caleb Williams and maybe some of the voting afterwards? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you hate the fact that we didn't have a guy that was coming up there, coming off a big win, headed towards the college football playoffs, and they had the quote-unquote Heisman moment. But Caleb Williams still had a spectacular year nonetheless. He's the third Lincoln Riley quarterback to win a Heisman Trophy. The suit, worst of all time, though. Oh, my God, it made me want to <laughs> vomit again as if I didn't vomit enough last week. But that suit was bad. Uh, but, yeah, he got the job done. It's deserved for him. It'll be great to see if he can come back next year and see how it goes to try to get another one because the guys who try to chase Archie Griffin, man, it doesn't really end well for him. I know, Levar, I know Lamar had a little bit better year statistically than he had the following season. People were turned off by the year that Louisville had overall right, and yeah. didn't give him a yeah, shot. Yeah, it's hard to catch that and get that second one. All right, last thing, Fiddy, let's get your thoughts on Caleb Win uh, Williams winning the Heisman. This was pretty clear for you after the Heisman moment that we differed on, but also what did you think <laughs> about the entire uh, award presentation? Um, can we just make it a 30-minute show? Like, I don't get why the hell we got to wait a whole ass hour for them to let some kid raise up a trophy and give some speech that someone rent for him to say. 
most importantly, I was just glad Stetson Bennett finished fourth in the Heisman voting. Like, had he finished second or even third, I was going to lose my absolute mind, let alone had he won the damn thing. So Caleb Williams was the best player this year in college football. His moments against UCLA, Notre Dame, and that run against Utah in the Pac-12 title came secured him the Heisman Trophy. But there's no reason for this to be an hour-long ceremony. It's 2022, bro. We got better things to do with our lives. Bro, I feel you. Um, yeah, it is. It's long. It's that, the NBA draft lottery. Those are the two things that come to mind where saying, hey, why are we not shortening this thing up? Those are the two programs. And 49er Phil wrote in, hey, how about Charlotte? You're damn right. What about Charlotte? 5-0 at home. 49ers, they beat Detroit Mercy 82-80. to If you go back and look Who? at some of the games, well, Detroit Mercy beat them the first time around. They actually destroyed them 70-49. to So they avenged that loss very early before we even get to the month of January Ron Sanchez this was a huge year for him coming into this season and he's performing very well so very happy with the start to the Charlotte 49er basketball season it's honestly probably better than I could have asked for if you look at their only two loss start to the season we'll start the one o'clock hour coming up next give an ode to a Hornets legend Colin Hoggard I think is supposed to be joining us so stick around on the Wesson Walker show sports radio 92.7 WFNZ